Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, this is the question that I sense the Lord wants us to ask ourselves uh, concerning this message specifically, and specifically for this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. What are we doing with what the Lord has told us to do? What are we doing with what the Lord has told us to do? This is a consistent theme that's going on right now in the church, in our church here. What are we doing with what the Lord has told us to do? Uh, The Lord has spoken to you about specific things. Have you ignored those things and not done anything with them? If we as believers want to see a significant change in our lives... We must be those who, on purpose, act on the instruction of the Word of God in faith through, and these are the three ways of acting, meditating, speaking, and then action. How many realize this, that you will follow your tongue? And your tongue will follow your head. You know, we say, we like to, you know, as, as charismatics, you know, Pentecostal, whatever, people that... We, we know the word of God, whatever the case may be. We like the idea, we like to think that because we know something, we're doing it. That we also like to entertain the idea because this is the nature of the flesh. Well, I've been saved for this long and I've heard this many sermons, so clearly I know what I'm doing. Paul was one, if you read the epistles, and you'll see this in here, in there, if you're reading and paying attention. He not only went and ministered the gospel, then established belief systems in the people, but then he also went back and reinforced the belief systems that he established. He would seed the word, water the word. There would be a harvest of the word, but then he'd also go back and go, okay, are the people doing what I said or what was taught? Are they abandoning what they believe? What I've seen in my life and then also in believers' lives more than anything is not that people don't have a genuine born-again experience. They actually tend to just kind of slide back into natural thinking, slide back into worldly thinking. I'm not talking about necessarily some gross, dark sin. I'm saying that you go, you as a believer, myself as a believer, our tendency is actually to visit the strongholds we've left because of the nature of the flesh and the temptation of the enemy. The enemy knows how to, he is a master of deception. That's why even sometimes when we quote scriptures about being him being under our feet, which I'm not against it by any means, we need to be careful that we're not doing it from a place of spiritual arrogance, but a place of true submission and humility. The scripture says, therefore, if you submit to who? God and resist the... Do you know there are actual times in my own life where I'm spitting the name of Jesus, but I'm actually not submitted to God like I should be? And that's why the devil stands there and goes, I'm not leaving. Because God, just as Mike was sharing by the Spirit of God previous, even with the songs that were sung, even with what was taught this morning in uh, Vessels of Honor, God is this way. He's a God of order. 
Have you ever noticed that sunrise and sunset is pretty consistent? The way some people think of God is, and especially in Pentecostal groups, which I is one, okay? But sometimes people think the more chaotic it is, the more God is involved. I disagree. You can have powerful manifestations or manifestations that are powerful and still have order. And so we need to have our thinking change. Well, the only way that structure is maintained, not only in our life, but then also in the church in a corporate setting, is by us becoming what? Doers of what we've heard. If I'm going to do something properly, I need to go back to these actions. I need to gain information, but then I need to meditate on that information, that knowledge. I'm talking about heavenly knowledge here, not earthly knowledge. Heavenly knowledge. I need to meditate on that. Then that meditation will become my conversation. And my conversation will actually be point me or direct me or cause me to walk to my destination. Does that make sense? So the meditation of that word, and then when, as that word is, is, is ingrained in us, our thinking is transformed. What actually takes place is your mind lines up with what the Holy Spirit did in your heart. And then the process of that meditation begins to get into my conversation. I no longer, when I was born again, I no longer looked at the world the way I did previously. I'm not saying I didn't have a mind to be renewed, but I have a new nature that now looks at the world through the aspect of God. In order for the fullness of seed, divine seed, that was planted within me to come to its place of full maturity, I have to have my mind renewed by the word of God. I then change the way I talk. And we know this from the book of James. Your tongue is your steering wheel. So when you speak addiction, you're actually reinforcing something that is of a past life. Now, I'm not telling you you're not actually dealing with the situation, but I am saying this, you're reinforcing the strength of the bondage when you disagree with the resurrection within you. And what I mean by that is not me telling you that. That's what the biblical principle is. So if I'm an addict at one time, but then I get born again, and the Lord says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, but yet I don't change the way I think and change the way I talk. I I rather allow my feeling and my circumstance to define me rather than resurrection within me. I'll actually stay stuck even though my heart is free. Now, it doesn't even have to be the addict, the former addict. Marriages, parenting, finances, Job, bosses, employees, businesses, government, pick it, pick the area. There's an answer in the word, and if I'm not lined up with that answer, then I'm going to remain, I want to say it this way, spiritually immature in that area. Because the reality is, in the spirit, 
nothing of the enemy's work can actually hold me. If I cooperate with the Lord. Now we hear that truth. We agree with that truth. In fact, we're excited about that truth around here. But walking it out is a different animal. Now what I mean by that, we use that phrase, a different animal. What I mean by that is then discipline has to kick in. How many have noticed that your flesh loves discipline? (laughs) It's like, yes, awesome, let's do that. (laughs) Discipline, or we could say it this way, and this is what we're talking about, faith that's actually alive or the work of faith. Do you know faith works? Again, faith does not work for something. It works from something. From what? From the reality of Christ within you. Most people know this, that their heart was born again. They know that their spirit man has changed when they're born again. The problem that believers run into is their head and then their body. The devil is good at playing with our heads and then causing us, actually uh, leading us into actions that actually function in cooperation with sinful nature that actually is not in us when we're born again. People sometimes say this. They'll say, I have a dual nature. That's not entirely true. If you mean that you have to deal with your flesh and your mind still needs, be, needs to be renewed, yes, you do have a nature on that side that will cooperate with the enemy. But if you mean that inside of you, you have Jesus and a devil, that's false. Your spirit is 100% vacuum sealed by the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. If it's not, you're not born again. Well, I'm trying to do good. Doing good is not being born again. Let me ask you a very, very telling question. How many of you caused your birth? <laughs> don't, don't think too hard about it, okay? You were like, oh, you know, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> you didn't cause your birth. You didn't cause your new birth. You cooperated with what Jesus did for you. But how many have noticed that after you were born, naturally, work was involved later? And we're at this place in the church where God's going, come on, people. Time for you to start doing the chores around the house. He's wanting to what? Grow us up, right? So I got to use my faith. How many realize this? That everybody's flesh doesn't like responsibility to a large degree. I mean, if you don't believe that, just uh, think about how uh, excited your flesh would be if you won the lottery. What's the first thought that comes to your natural mind, your natural thinking? I don't have to do anything. I can do whatever I want. 
and you'll be broke soon. Grace is not just winning the lottery. It is unmerited. It is given freely. It is also empowering. If we want to live successful lives here and have extra reward, come on, how many know everybody's going to heaven if you're born again? That does not mean that you're going to experience everything that God has for you here automatically. Grace is not just uh, uh, something that just plops everything in your lap for you. You have to exercise faith. All right, let's prove it. James chapter 2, verse number 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Is this in the Bible? Well, I got like three yeses. Is the book of James in the Bible? Okay, good. Good, good. We're making good progress here. Verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? These are questions. James is asking this. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. There's a whole teaching there. But you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. What does that say? <laughs> People don't even want to quote it. Because they think, you know, there's this whole uh, uh, false teaching out there that uh, Paul and James didn't agree. And if you're young in the Lord, you'll take these verses and you'll take what Paul wrote and you'll actually twist the scriptures to your own destruction like Peter said they were doing in Paul's day. Nothing new under the sun. People will do backflips over trying to change the translation as well to make it fit their mental struggle instead of fighting the fight of faith and going through the process of learning because this actually doesn't disagree with Paul at all and what the revelation that he got. Let's look at it even more. Verse 22 again, faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect. Faith one translation says it this way, faith wrought with his works, or literally it means worked with his works. His actions were an indication that his faith was at work in all he did. Now, let me ask you a question. Were you born again just by poof and you had nothing that involved you in the process? What is that? A work of faith. You believed in your, is that your action? Did God make you believe? You had to believe, right? I had to choose, right? What is that? That's a work of faith. Whew, I can feel some people just. I know because you stay on one side of the mountain on grace so much, you can't even see the other side. In fact, you think that your side only is the only side. And you're headed for deception. Faith puts action from grace. 
Ooh, I'm loving this. I hope I get past this, word, this particular verse. His actions were an indication that his faith was at work in all he did. The Phillips translation points out, or the Phillips paraphrase points it out this way. His faith and actions were partners. Now, I'm going to prove this to you. I'm going to prove it to you from the scripture. By works was faith made perfect. The goal of true faith is a life of conformity to that faith. The genuineness of Abraham's faith was proven when it reached the goal of obedience to God. Come on now, he didn't earn his salvation, but he obeyed in it. (laughs) People say, this is tough. I know, but you know what's wonderful? The Lord's letting us teach on it, which means we're going to get it. I don't know about you, but I want to grow up. Come on, I don't want to be running around in in pampers the rest of my life. (laughs) Some of you are visually, mentally visual, and you're visualizing this, and you need to stop in the name of Jesus. Working faith manifests promises and develops maturity until every part of a believer's life becomes a witness to the world around them. People say, why do you work your faith? Because I want to manifest promises. Why do you work in your faith? Because I want to be a light and salt wherever I go. I am not unaware of the fact that I am born again by the free gift of the grace of God. I know I did not hang on that tree. I know I did not, wasn't whipped, beaten. The crown of thorns was not placed on me. I know that I didn't go to hell and then rise back up. I know that Jesus Christ did that as my representative. But from the resource of that, I chose to engage my faith in that resurrection to be born again so that I knew when I left this life, I would go to be to heaven with Jesus. But also from the resource of that, I work my faith from that grace. And you should too. Verse 23, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. When Abraham was willing to offer up the only means by which the promise could be realized, the scripture was fulfilled that he believed God. In this act, it was shown that his faith and works were one. This was, with, this was faith in full development. Think about it. This is faith fully developed because Abraham has placed himself on God's word alone. Wow. Come on, I want to go there. I want to be in Hebrews 11. Come on, that's where the Hall of Fame is. I know people, and I laugh every time because I watch football, and I'll, they do the commercial for the Hall of Fame for the NFL, and they, they talk about these busts, these heads of these NFL players, and they're going to be forever enshrined. For we are forever in. I'm thinking, you knuckleheads. Sorry, that's my grandpa called us that when we were growing up. You meathead. What are you? you He he was very encouraging. And so (laughs) he said, I'm thinking to myself when I'm listening, every time that I hear that, I go, nope. Ashes to ashes. 
We're enshrined forever because we won so many Super Bowls. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. Now, I know, I know there are Christians there, but that's pitiful. That's what, that's what you're hanging eternity on? You threw a leather ball around? Well, I'm making some friends and some enemies, so we're doing good. Which team? <laughs> yeah, which team? Clearly, the whatever is going to heaven. <laughs> God is a Cowboys fan, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, before we have a riot. When Abraham offered Isaac on the altar, his righteousness came into full maturity as his actions worked alongside of his faith toward the common goal. Maturing faith is seen in greater and greater levels of obedience. And so is maturing righteousness. What do you mean? We're earning it? No. The seed is developing. I want to be laden heavy as a child of God with the fruit of heaven. Whoo. So that when people come up, they go, oh, how that healing just came. Yeah, that's healing fruit. Why? Righteousness matured. Delivering fruit, peace, fruit. Healthy marriage, fruit. No perversions in my soul. No twistings of the enemy in my being. Come on. Life as heaven intended. Salt and light. Verse 24, you then... You see then that a man is justified by works and not faith only. Saving faith is more than mental assent to orthodox doctrine. James concludes and hopes his congregation does too that works are necessary to complete the process of justification. Faith before the Lord is sufficient for entrance into heaven but not for rewards. Do you see the separation? People say, well, I'm born again. I'm going to make it. Yes, you are. But everything you do down here could be burned up and you'll get in. And we're thankful you're in because you weren't earning your way into heaven. But there is a work from. People say, oh, no. Listen, if you, if you just very simply, you could study through what Mike shared on the seed today and you will see it's an eternal principle. God is not a socialist. But yet there are Christians that hate socialism and democracy, yet they apply it to their Christianity. Okay. <laughs> Does faith work? Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved, that's action, with godly fear, prepared... An ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah's name means comfort. Isn't that interesting? And for the first 500 years of his life, it was, it was pretty much silent, his life was. 
But when God gives Noah his word about the flood and Noah revered that word enough to act in faith, his family was spared along with the lives of the animals who would populate the cleansed earth. Faith gives us the ability to see and prepare for things that have not come yet on the earth. Noah and Enoch in faith functioned in the prophetic quite a bit, but... Today, we have the same prophetic element available to every believer in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The scripture declares in John chapter 16, verse number 13, that the Holy Spirit will show or declare to you things to come. Now, I'm not saying you all should start a YouTube channel and become a prophet or prophetess. I'm saying in your own life. The Holy Spirit is telling you things that are ahead of you. Notice his actions condemned the world and made him heir of righteousness. Noah became an inheritor or an heir of a manifestation of righteousness. He received a righteous reward and cashed in on God's more grace. If you read 2 Peter 1.4 and James 4.6, you'll see it. Listen to this. Noah's building the ark displayed faith as a response to God's instruction. God's admonition to Noah described things which are not yet which had not yet occurred, but since Noah knew and trusted God, he built the ark in the face of mockery and opposition. The absurdity of building a huge ship far from the sea in preparation for a worldwide flood daunted Noah not in the least. His trust in God informed and undergirded him. The coming deluge was not a laughing matter. It was a certainty. So it is with the second coming of Jesus Christ. The world may may mock, but the king will come and will acknowledge that he is Lord. The world will. The example of Noah especially illustrates the willingness of faith to believe what God has said and to risk one's reputation and future on its coming to pass. That is faith that is not dead. Your faith alive will produce something. Watch this. What if Noah had only prayed about what God had spoken to him? Prayer plays an important part. But what if all Noah did was pray? All right, I'm going to hit us again. What if Noah never took the time to sit down and draw out architectural plans? We wouldn't be here, is right. (laughs) And people say, yeah, Noah, yeah. What about your life? What has the Lord spoken to you? What have you prayed about? Or have you just prayed about what he said? Or have you done something? Well, I journaled it. Is your mind going like mine? What did I journal? What did I? How many have all the journals the Lord you've you've kept for years? Have you ever gone back and looked at them? (laughs) think about it listen to this faith people what if Noah only declared what God had told him but never went out and gathered wood 
No, it's by grace. Just having a word of grace won't get the ark built. Faith acts on what God says. People will say this, but I don't see how it's going to work. Exactly. You're in faith. Now, understandably, you have to hear from God. We know that. Yes, you should write it down. Yes, you should plan it out. Yes, you should declare it with your mouth. Those are all actions of faith. But eventually, you better go find some gopher wood. You better learn how to make pitch. You better start in the, as you're building, get some binoculars and start looking for animals coming two by two. Now, naturally, you have to, I come from the faith camp. You understand what I mean by that? That means I went to Ramah. I went to Kenneth Hagin Ministries. I mean, people thought Brother Hagin wrote Mark 11, 23, and 24. <laughs> Do you know denominations mocked him for years, but in the latter years of, of, of his life, they actually invited him to come to one of the largest evangelical meetings, and he stood up and taught the scriptures like he teaches them. He taught them, I mean, the same ones over and over, shares the same stories. And the gentleman that uh, actually had told people not to buy his books in his church and all of this stuff, the gentleman, a gentleman got up behind him in tears, repented to everybody. Because he said, I believe those scriptures just how you preached them. So I come from the camp. But you know, and I still listen, I'm still in the camp. I haven't left. People say, well, faith was a movement. I hope not, because it's the only way we're born again. Well, grace has taken over nonsense. You can't have one without the other working. They work together. You can, you say, I have to hear from God. Yeah, Noah heard from God. But he had detail to what, and added detail, and worked detail to what he heard, right? And so the faith camp that I'm from, I would hear my teachers at school, at Bible college, say stuff like this. You can stand in the garage and say, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car. But your faith will not come to pass. Because God didn't tell you. Oh, no, brother, no, brother, no. You can have whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Whatsoever things you, I desire to win the lottery. Lord, I just claim in the name of Jesus. Nope. Listen, it was said at the beginning in the exhortation, our confession has to be in line with the seed. Well, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a car. You're a nut. <laughs> and you're given Pentecostals a bad name. You know, spiritual trail mix, fruits and nuts. Well, I just heard from the Lord, and I'm just going to declare this. Did you run what you heard from the Lord through the filter?
Pentecostals? I know I got others in here, but it's too late. You slipped in. You got too close to the creek bank. You're in now. You might as well just get in and enjoy it because, <laughs> you know, how many did that as a kid? You were playing around a muddy creek bank, and your mom said, don't get in the water. But eventually, you know, it was me and my older brother. That was the problem. My older brother, I blame him. What happens? You're like, well, we're not in all the way. We're not. And then you get running around that muddy creek bank, and what happens? Whoop. And once you're in, I mean, if you're going to get in trouble, <laughs> I mean, you might as well just get all the way in. <laughs> you know how I am. I don't care about denominational names. I think it's fun to tease. Again, that's my dad's fault and my dad's and my and his dad's fault. It, it's not mine at all. I take no responsibility. <laughs> my dad raised me on the three stooges. My brain is messed up. You you don't understand how much of a work God did in me. People thought it was because I smoked weed. That wasn't it. We'll end with this. <laughs> so again, the question remains, what actions have we put to what God has spoken to us concerning our children? Concerning our... Now listen to me very carefully. If I put action to the word of God, but do not endure... I cannot come to the conclusion that God did not do what he was supposed to. This is a safety net for your faith if you'll apply this one thing to your life. It is never God not doing his part. Now, things have happened in my life. I don't understand them. But you know what? The secret things belong to, and I'll understand them someday if he doesn't tell me here. But I will not in a lack of reverence to the Lord, apply to him a place of no integrity or that he did not do what he said. That is not reverence, fear, and worship. He always does. Come on, our work, have we done what we said? Have we done it? Or did we have to do it? God told me to work at such and such a place. Did you fulfill everything? I'm going to say something that I've walked through. God told me to go work at a place. I tried to quit for two years. Fortunately, I had enough of God's word in me to know that I needed God to go along with me in order to do that. Come on, how many know this? And fortunately, and what I mean by that is by the grace of God, I had enough word in me to know that I could also eventually wear God out and let him tell me and get him to tell me, yes, go ahead and do that. People say, are you sure? Yeah, how do you think we ended up with Saul before David? <laughs> right? That's what happened. It was never God's design. 
How many of you realize God's working with us? We're the problem. <laughs> okay? If you, if you don't like it, that I say, we're okay, I'm the problem in my relationship with God. So for two years, I struggled with this, you know, because I'm called to be a prophet. I'm called to travel the world. I'm called to fill in the blank, right? I'm, not call, I'm called to own my own business. Great. I'm called to full-time ministry. Perfect. I know I'm called to... Come on, is this hitting your Pentecostal nerve yet? Are you thinking yet? I know I'm called to this, okay? And so I'm arguing with the Lord about this. And then finally one day I settled down and went, Lord, your timing is right. I'm leaving it in your hands. Do you know if I would have jumped ship before I was supposed to, we wouldn't be looking at each other right now? Now, maybe somebody else would be doing what I'm doing, but we wouldn't have. We wouldn't be. And guess what happened in my job? Guess what happens in everybody's job? Every boss, every owner, every senior pastor, every government leader, every single human on the planet will do things wrong. And God, listen to me, God will put you there and keep you there under it. Oh, no, he would never do that. I have an assignment for you. First Peter, the whole epistle. Second Peter, the whole epistle. See if he would do it. You find the answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and a... Well, Lord, I just need a new ruler. This Nebuchadnezzar guy does not love you. I just... <laughs> Lord, he is threatening to throw us in fire. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord from heaven, I hear your prayer, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No worries, I'm going to kill the leader and give you a new one. Well, I just don't like the way they did this. Well, I think as a church that the worship leader should do this. That the pastor should do this. Well, I think, I think, I think, I think. And come on, how many wish for yourself, for me personally, that we actually would have thought more? Like God instead of like the natural. What I didn't realize in those years of, of discipline and stuff was that God was working out of me what needed to be removed so that he could use me for what he wanted. 
I mean, I, and this is not a, a stab at, at any one group of, I, you know how many times I've been told God said I'm supposed to be here? Okay. Why? Now, when you say that, you're telling me spiritual maturity has come to a certain spot in your life to where you're hearing from him and you know what you're supposed to do. Why? Why did he send you here? Or why does he have you in the job you're in? And are you looking at it from the perspective of, I wouldn't do it that way? Or are you looking at it from the perspective of, Lord, why do you have me here? And what am I to learn in this process? Because everywhere we go, there will be mockery. There will be disappointment. There will be, come on, contention. There will be people trying to fight. There will be a different opinion. There will be a different thought. There will be a different... You actually think that God has brought together a group of perfect people here? <laughs> We're waiting. <laughs> I know we laugh about that, which we should, because it's cry or laugh, one or the other. And, you know. But when we obey God, when we follow him, when we work in faith, when we act in faith, when we step out by faith, when we hear from him and do what he asks us to do, how many know that there's going to be obstacles along the way? There's going to be people coming by what you're building, the ark you're building for the Lord, and are going to mock you along the way. Oh, you actually think that there's going to be a flood. You're not even near water, Noah. I mean, what you actually think God led you to work under that person? You actually think, and you just keep gathering gopher wood, making, ha have your workers putting pitch together, getting everything to get, say, animals are coming, animals are coming. You put up a sign before the ark is done, and it will say, future home of the ark, salvation of the earth. Join us. Come on. People say, well, it's taken too long. It's taken too long. It's taken too long. Noah, Noah was a preacher of righteousness for a hundred years and had no converts but his family. And as Johnny appropriately pointed out earlier, if he hadn't, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> So what are you and I called to? Let's purpose not to try and do someone else's responsibility. What did God tell me to do? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus this morning. If you're watching online, they're watching uh, that information there. And uh, uh, watching to see if anybody wants to give their heart to the Lord there as well. But I want to just share the gospel real quick. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. That eternity is planted in the heart of every man. John 3.16 and 17 says. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But that the world through him might be saved. 
We know that, I, that according to Romans 3.23, 3, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we know that according to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We know that God wants us in relationship with him. We know this because he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our separation. And he brought us back into union if we'll receive his gift. We know that we receive God's forgiveness through faith by trusting in Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is with your heart that you believe and with your mouth that confession is made unto salvation. You can place your faith in Jesus and receive God's gift of eternal life right now. If you would like to receive Jesus, I would like you to just raise your hand where you're at so I can pray with you. If there's anyone here today that needs to give their heart to Jesus, thank you. Anybody else? I, I don't know who's out in the foyer or if there's anybody out there that we're good, we're good out there, okay? All right. I see your hand. You can put it down. I see your hand, yes. Anybody else? Just give it a second. Okay. Is there one? Okay, thank you. I see your hand out in the lobby. Yes, I see your hand. Thank you. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and pray together if we would. If you'll repeat after me, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus who came to this earth lived a sinless life and died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead so I could receive forgiveness. Become your child and receive the gift of eternal life. I come to you now and repent of my sin. I not only receive your gift of forgiveness, but I give you all my life and all of my heart. I believe you have accepted me because Jesus said, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Jesus also said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for saving me making me your child, helping me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are born again. Now, if you did raise your hand and you gave your heart to the Lord, um, I know we had a couple of young people, parents, maybe you can help. Right after, when we dismiss, we have altar care workers up here. Um, if you need prayer for, I would like the people that gave their heart to the Lord to be able to come up right away and get to the altar care workers first. If anybody else in here needs prayer for anything else, uh, you're welcome to come up as well, and they'll be able to pray with you about any of the needs that you have. So I trust you were fed the word of God. I trust you received it and will be doers of it and not hearers only. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.